And the thought popped into my head, I need to dance. Like I need to dance as if my life depended on it. And there was something about just that dark season and experiencing even just for a moment, um, a sense of, of joy in just dancing and moving my body in traffic on the FDR um, that said, you know, I feel like I have a need for joy right now. And so in that moment, I decided to organize a dance at her church called Light Up the Night. And I just felt like as a congregation, just even if it was just for a moment, if we could enter into joy, I just felt like that would, that would nourish us. And so we did this and I danced like a crazy woman for two hours straight. I didn't even stop to go to the bathroom. I just like had to get all of that tension you know, out of me. And during that time, this phrase came into my mind of dance as a prophetic act. It's like the world is so dark and there's so much pain and suffering and brokenness. It can be easy to think that the darkness we see and experience is the ultimate reality and to be just engulfed by it. However, dancing as a prophetic act was meant to choose joy, if even for a moment, in the darkness, because we believe that this darkness, even though it's real, is not ultimate. It does not have the final word. And that there's a reality that is more real, more true, more enduring than the darkness we see. In other words, as John said in his gospel, that the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. So the scripture passages that we read all through Christmas have a lot of joy in them. So Mary's song, after she learns that she is pregnant, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. You know, think about the angels appearing to the shepherds and saying, do not be afraid for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. There's a prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 9 where he says, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy in the harvest. And then today in the Isaiah reading from Isaiah 52, it says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace and brings good news, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Your sentinels lift up their voices. They sing for joy and they break forth into singing. And so here's what I want us to just reflect on this Christmas morning. They are saying these things not because their circumstances were so great back then, you know, thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago. And the first thing I wanna just reflect on is that joy is not dependent on our circumstances. So think about the reality of the world of Isaiah and Luke and John and all the characters in the Christmas narrative, you know, Mary, the shepherds. They were living, well, Isaiah, was living in a time when Israel was getting pummeled and crushed by its enemies. And then all the characters of the Christmas narrative, they were living in the shadow of this brutal and oppressive Roman empire. Now we can look at our world today and our country today and say, you know, things are not great. There are really painful and hard things that are happening. And I don't think anyone would deny that. But history shows us that time and time again, that having 
emotionally unstable, immature men with vast political, financial, and military resources at their disposal is not a new thing. Like it's always been happening throughout human history. It's been there from the very beginning. It was true in Isaiah's time. It was true in Mary and John's time. And it's true in our time as well. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that there's a sort of joy that exists that knows nothing at all of the heart's pain, anguish, and dread. It does not last. It can only numb a person for a moment. The joy of God has gone through the poverty of the manger and the agony of the cross. And that is why it is invincible. It's irrefutable. It does not deny the anguish when it is there, but it finds God in the midst of it. In fact, it is precisely there. It does not deny grave sin, but finds forgiveness precisely in this way. It looks death straight in the eye and finds life precisely within it. So the author of the Hebrew says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And that's why joy is invincible and irrefutable because joy has overcome even death itself. The second thing is that joy is a byproduct of relationship with God. So John in his gospel, he doesn't use the word joy specifically, but what John is doing is he's giving us the content of the good news that brings great joy for all people. So he says that the word was there from the very beginning. This word called forth all beings into life. And life itself, he says, was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. And he says that even though the world rejected that light, to all who received him and who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. The word became flesh and lived among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. And this is what the good news of the messenger who announces peace and who says, your God reigns, is giving. This is why those sentinels are singing for joy. And that is that joy is the inheritance of the children of God. Joy is ours because joy is God's. It originates in him. Like God is the most joyful being in the entire universe. You know, people imagine God as being this cranky old man in the sky who's always watching what you're doing, but that's actually not true. He's joyful. And Jesus prayed for his disciples and all who would follow after him that his joy would be in us so that our joy would be full. And he says, and that nothing, no one can take that joy away from you. This um, writer, uh, Dallas Willard, he writes that joy is a deep-seated sense of well-being, of safety in God's universe. Joy is part of the fruit of the spirit growing as a natural product of the transformation of one's inner self to be like that of Christ, which itself is full of joy. And so what that means is that joy is both a grace, it's a gift from God, and it's a discipline. It's something that we have to practice. Because it's a byproduct, a fruit of relationship with God, that's why it can be chosen. Not manufactured, not this fake joy, but a true chosen joy. So the messengers proclaimed, your God reigns. 
And when they say that, what they are saying is that this is God's universe. It's not Donald Trump's universe. It's not the stock market's universe. It's not the circumstances of our life that control the universe, but it is God. The final thing that I want to say about joy this morning is that joy is meant to be multiplied. So Isaiah wrote, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. In other words, there's something about joy that's a generative thing. So those of you who are parents have experienced this. So my friends, um, Jordan and Keegan, they had their baby girl, Lucy, last year. And their joy at being new parents was just so evident. Like their Instagram feed was just constantly full of pictures of her with all these heart emojis on it and pictures of them kissing her and like adoring her. Their joy was just overflowing. So imagine how unnatural it would have been for them to be experiencing all this joy of Lucy and then telling no one. Like, you know, that would never happen. Lucy actually now has her own Instagram feed because Jordan and Keegan's Instagram feeds were not enough to contain their joy. It just like spilled out into her own. It's all Lucy all the time. And you know, we're like that with any good news, right? So whether it's the birth of a child or getting a new job or maybe even a restaurant that you really love, like you can't help but tell people about things that bring you joy. Um, I've been getting to know some of the folks at um, Chelsea Mornings um, since I started here at St. Peter's. So Chelsea Mornings is the, the AA group that meets here. And when I talk to them, they can't not talk about how powerful and amazing AA has been in transforming their lives. Like you talk to them and they glow. Like they light up talking about it. And as they share what they've experienced in AA, they pass that on to me. They pass that joy on to me. And I feel encouraged hearing their testimonies and their stories. And so there's something about the impulse to share good news, especially those who are desperate, with those who are desperately in need of good news, which is everyone, that multiplies joy in our world. And it comes back to you. It generates itself. So just as I close... Um, this is my prayer for us. You know, I don't know what is going on in your life. You know, I don't know what it is that you're carrying in here this morning. But whatever may be happening now, you know, in your life, in the life of our country, in our world, um, my prayer is that the joy of Christ would be yours this morning, that your joy might be full, and that that joy might become light in you that shines in the darkness. So let me pray that prayer for us all right now. Would you bow your heads with me? God, this morning we celebrate um, you, Jesus. We celebrate that you are the light of the world and that this light has shined in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. God, we, um, we readily admit that there is a lot in our world today um, that feels dark and heavy and hard. Um, so God, we pray this morning, um, would you renew our joy once again? Would you help us to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before you endured the cross and scorned its, cha its shame and sat down at the right hand of the Father. I pray for each person in these seats this morning and pray that whatever it is that they are carrying, Lord, that even now in this moment, in this service, would you lift their hearts and lift their eyes to see you and to experience you carrying them 
through whatever it is that they are facing, whatever it is that burdens them, and to, to lift them and feel your strength and your comfort and your presence with them this day. And we pray all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you please stand with me as we affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed? <clears throat> 